Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I can put your bags over here. Well, I need to take the temperature first, please, baby. <laughs> Are you going to take my temperature? <laughs> I got to make sure you ain't inviting me into a danger zone, Ms. I would baby. never. Oh, 97.3? Yes. I can answer. Thank you. Okay, 97.3? Uh-huh. Oh, hi, guys. Marlo, oh, I got you. Peach Bellinas, if you want it. What are you doing? Uh-uh. Marlo, oh, I'm not doing uh, this, this with you. not six feet. Oh. How many feet know. is it? Not six. The pandemic ain't got nothing on Marlo. Ah, the Real Houses of Atlanta are back, and I was so happy to have them on our screens again. Although I wasn't sure if I was sitting down for Thanksgiving dinner or watching The Real Housewives, because there were so many breasts on display this episode. I mean, the bubbies were out. Bubbies were out. You guys, we're going to break down the episode, the season premiere of The Real Houses of Atlanta. Also, we had the finale of The Real Houses of Potomac, which was supersized and so good. We're going to talk about both those things. But before we do, there's a lot going on in the Bravo universe. So much has happened in the past week. We just got to break down a few of these things. First and foremost, Jackson and Brittany were let go from Vanderpump Rules. Rotten hell. They were let go. I cannot believe that they were let go. And I've never seen the Bravo fandom so united. Normally, when a casting decision like this is made, people are split. You know, you think of Housewives when Vicky and Tamara were let go in Orange County. There, there was a large community of people that felt they shouldn't have been let go, or any of the franchises for that matter. When somebody's gone, Usually people are at least a little bit split. It might lean more one way or the other. But when Jax was let go, I've never seen such unanimous praise for Bravo's decision. I mean, it's shocking that it took this long. And I think even people who can recognize the fact that he's brought a lot to our TV screens, and he has, I mean, a lot of the storylines in Vanderpump Rules were centered around those two. Jax and that Kentucky Muffin, they were a lot of storylines that they were driving. Um, but it seems even if you thought that, it's, it seemed to me at least from my, uh, you know, research, the research that I was doing after the announcement was made, it seemed like everyone was just unanimously happy that they were let go. <laughs> and also, no one really said anything about Britney, you know, like everyone was just like, oh, thank God Jax is gone. And I sort of felt bad in a way that Britney was just like an afterthought. <laughs> I don't know, she's been on the show for a while and she's given us a lot of stuff. Rotten Hill, I'm engaged. I am on the brim of freaking ant. She's given us a lot of stuff. Uh, but no one seemed to care. Everyone was just like, oh, thank God everyone's celebrating Jax's, Jax's dismissal from the program. And of course, there was like a, they put out statements and they put out the same statement. Brittany initially put out the same statement as Jax and she forgot to change the names. <laughs> Such a clearly written PR thing. And of course, we know that Bravo gives them the opportunity to say, oh, I decided not to come back. But we all know that's not true. You know what I mean? Like, we know. The way that it works, I know I've talked about this before, but they get contract pickups. So uh, they weren't necessarily fired. They just didn't get a contract for next season. So I don't know if firing's the right term, but, um, you know, I don't think they were sitting around in their 
Valley Village home and saying, oh, we don't want to come back and we want to give up this large television paycheck as we're about to have a baby and we just bought a house. I don't think they were sitting there thinking that. I mean, that's just, you know, what do I know? I'm no expert, but I can't imagine the two of those, those two yahoos were sitting around saying that. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. What do I know? Um, also, you guys, Bronwyn came out as a lesbian on The Real Houses of Orange County. She didn't do it on the show, but in real life, she came out. And so she's our first uh, lesbian housewife, full-time official housewife. And so bravo to Bronwyn for coming out and proud, out loud and proud. Uh, I think, you guys, Tamara has been hinting at coming back. I think she's going to be back. Did you see she was with Bronwyn this past weekend? They were posting on Instagram and stuff together. And right now on Orange County, Bronwyn doesn't even have an ally. You know, they all hate her. Which, by the way, I know I haven't really talked about Orange County. I have been watching it and not really enjoying it. The cast just seems so strange to me. It seems like none of them feel like they'd actually be friends at all. Like, Shannon, in every scene you can tell, She's miserable and hates everyone. Like, she just doesn't like anyone. And she wouldn't organically be friends with any of these people. And then that new woman, Elizabeth, I just feel like she doesn't really fit in at all. Like, I I don't know. And even Kelly Dodd, I feel like they really edited out a lot of her stuff. So I can't imagine she'll be back. I don't know that they for sure edited stuff. But it seems like she's barely in any... She's in, like, the group scenes. And she doesn't have really much of any individual storyline. There was that thing about the positive beverage or something. So I can't imagine she'll be back next season, but I don't know what they'll do. This cast on Orange County, you guys. Whew. It is rough. It is rough stuff. Roof stuff. In the words, what was that from? I think that's from a TV show. Maybe Happy Endings or something. But uh, it's roof stuff. This is what it is. And I'm sort of liking Gina, I will say that. And then that's the last thing I'm going to say about it. I'm sort of liking Gina, and it is what it is. But that's my truth. That's my truth. And I know I've said a million times on this program that Gina should not be a housewife, but here I am. I think I just dislike everyone else so much that I'm like, well, Gina's okay. (laughs) Gina in that tiny little casita that she's in, it doesn't bother me that much. The show itself, though, is terrible. One of the worst seasons, I believe, in Bravo history in terms of housewives. And now we're dealing with all this COVID stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, okay, what else do we got to talk about? Oh, and there's also like all this lawsuit stuff with Erica, uh, Erica and Tom Girardi, Thomas. And it's layered, you guys. This lawsuit stuff is layered. They're saying they planned to get divorced so that they could get out of the lawsuit stuff. Or I don't know. I haven't really done much research on it, but I do know that it's layered. I did play a video about the news story, and then I was on Twitter while it was playing. So I did sort of get some of the information through osmosis. <laughs> That's how I'm getting my news these days. I just play a video and then I go on Twitter. And, you know, that's how I get it. So, we'll see. I hope to see it play out on The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. Although we know from uh, watching The Real Houses of Beverly Hills that stuff doesn't normally play out. So we probably won't see any of it. It'll be some boring-ass season about, I don't know, Erica not wearing underwear again. Or what the fuck do we do on that show? Nothing really happens. Uh, So I don't know. I don't know. Um, Okay, let's... Oh, before... I get into it, Lena. I do want to quickly say we do have new holiday merch available at everythingiconic.store. You might hear Mac, Matt, my boyfriend, packing it up in the background. He's in the other room just like packing up orders. He calls himself Madison, you know, like Amazon, so cheesy. Anyway, uh, we have new holiday merch. It's very limited. We have uh, these really cute wine glasses that say have a very merry iconic Christmas. Super cute. We also have these red t-shirts that are adorable. 
and uh, new ornaments that say Queen Icon Legend. So go check that stuff out at everythingiconic.store. The holiday stuff, again, very limited. Um, it's going really quickly. So if you want any of that stuff, get it. And it's also really cute, and it's a great way to support the show. So thank you to all of you who have uh, head on, on over to Madison and purchased your, um, your wares. Sorry, I gotta hawk the wares on this program. <laughs> the wares on everything iconic. Okay, you guys, we gotta talk Atlanta now. I mentioned the bubbies. Can you please stop giving us your whole titty? Oh, I can't. Oh, jeez. The titty look cute, though, can Yeah, she, she got, got some pretty titties, titties now. Girl, you done seen my titties a million times. Let me just see the nip. I ain't seen no, the nipples. I'm not gonna are really face. in. Mine are so big and black. And mine are big. Why do we have big nipples? Like, I want mine to be, like, up and, like, just perky little. Right. That's what I want. I'm a, right. Let's do it. There was, at the beginning of the episode, we see a scene with Cynthia in her driveway with Candy. And Cynthia, I'm already having trouble with this season, because we know that she threw the super spreader event in her wedding. And even in this episode, her husband-to-be, Mike Hill, is saying, like, maybe we need to wait. Like, we're in the middle of pandemic. Like, we don't need to do her. We could just do a small wedding. And Cynthia's like, no, I want this. And meanwhile, we've already seen a big wedding from Cynthia on camera, and her excuse was that that didn't work out. So I need to have another one. So when I think of my wedding, I have like a good memory of it. And you guys know how I feel about wedding. I think that's so backwards. And the wedding should be about the marriage and not this big party. Like, you shouldn't give a flying, you know what, about what the memory is. The memory should be the everyday thing that you're with your partner. It's like so insane to me that people just think of their weddings in this way, especially when all these people are dying in the middle of a pandemic. You just don't need to do it. And then also when you have a wedding in, the, in this time, I think a lot of people who are invited to your wedding, they don't want to go to your wedding. But then they sit and they feel guilty. They think, well, should I go? Do I have to go? I know we're, they're telling us we shouldn't be doing things like this, but then should I go? And then, of course, people don't actually wear their masks. You know, they, you might tell everyone they have to wear a mask at the wedding, but everyone's drinking and having fun at the reception. It's only human nature. To be like, okay, I'm going to take this off for a little bit and go on the dance floor and uh, while they're doing shout, you know, a little bit softer now. You know, they <laughs> as soon as someone starts singing a little bit softer now, that's when the mask is coming off. It just is what it is. A little bit softer now. You guys, I used to do a, um, a show called Tony and Tina's Wedding. I was an actor and it's like a dinner theater show when I lived in Chicago. And basically you would put on a wedding every night. Like people who buy a ticket come to the show, and they're basically coming to a wedding. And so the actors in it, you're basically going to a wedding every single fucking night. I mean, it's literal hell. But uh, you hear the same songs, all those wedding songs. So it was like every single night I heard Shout. And it was like, I can't hear that song. I get PTSD when I hear that song. A little bit softer now. <laughs> Terrible singer. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Cynthia, I'm already having problems with her. I'm having problems with her, the fact that she's doing this wedding. Um, but she did make me laugh in that driveway scene when she was sitting there with candy and the bub fell out. Uh, it just literally fell out. She said, oh, my breast is out. Titty scent. That's what she called herself. And that did make me laugh. And that's why the Atlanta women are stars. These women give us comedy. Minute to minute comedy. You know? Minute to minute comedy. The breast just fell out. Also, all the women are talking about how they gained weight. Cynthia said she gained 20 pounds. Kenya said she gained 30 pounds. And we all got to be easy on ourselves during this time of 2020 in terms of weight gain and weight loss or whatever your weight's at. It is what it is. We're all doing our best. So don't feel bad out there. We've all kind of gained some weight, lost some weight. 
you know, this year my weight has fluctuated like so much. I mean, I had some health issues at the beginning of the year. It's like my weight has not been consistent at all this year. Um, so, you know, be easy on yourselves. And I'm saying that to you guys because I'm really saying it to myself. It is what it is. We're all doing our best. So then Cynthia reveals to Candy in the um, driveway scene, which is interesting. We're getting these driveway scenes and stuff. This is the new normal on these shows. For the near future, for at least probably another year, because, you know, New York is filming, Beverly Hills is filming, and we're not going to get those until early next year, those seasons. So we're going to be watching kind of outdoor scenes and all this for a while now. So buckle up, Buttercup, or that's what we're getting. That's what we're getting, uh, driveway scenes. But she did make it nice. Cynthia put out a nice spread uh, for Candy, which, by the way, did you guys hear my Candy interview? It's great. Go listen. It's great. Uh, What else? Oh, but so, yeah, they all um, they all look good. It doesn't matter if they've gained some weight. They all look stunning. Um, Marlo showed up to that driveway scene, and she was so funny, you guys. She took Cynthia Bailey's temperature, and then she measured six feet away from her. <laughs> and then they talked about their big nipples. It was so good. It was pure comedy. And then not only do we get comedy on one hand, but then Marlo brings up about Portia. And she calls Portia Portia Luther King because Portia's been doing all of this great work for the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's really real life stuff. And I like that they're showing us this. And of course, if you follow the news, we've seen that Portia has gotten arrested and she's been protesting. And, you know, they show the growth of Portia because they flash back to Portia in that scene when she didn't know what the Underground Railroad was, when she thought somebody was driving a train. Remember that? <laughs> good. That was so good. Um, but so then Marlo, Candy, and Cynthia, they talk about Kenya, and they say she's been sort of unhappy, a little bit depressed. And I, you guys, I'm feeling bad for Kenya. She's been through a lot with that asshole Mark, and I think they're still together, first and first of all, which is unfortunate, and I want Kenya to get out of that relationship, because what's the definition of insanity? You're doing the same thing over again. It seems like this Mark guy keeps treating her poorly. It's just not okay. And then we cut to Kenya. She calls that Brandon guy, and she says to him, I can't zip my dress, okay? Which, there's a few things I have, questions I have about this. So, we see Kenya in the car going to the lawyer. She says she can't zip the dress, so I'm thinking, is it just unzipped? Like, I couldn't tell in the car. Was she just going into the lawyer's office and being like, well, I couldn't zip my dress, so it's just open. (laughs) Can't we just get something else, like a bigger size or something? You know, again, she looks stunning and beautiful. Kenya's stunning doesn't matter what weight she's at. But I just think maybe we should wear clothes that we could zip, you know? I've you know, I've been there oftentimes, you know, you can't buckle up the pants. But I don't wear the pants I can't buckle out to a meeting on camera. You know, I would change them and put on some sweats. That's what I suggest. That's what I suggest. Wait, that's wrong. What is is that wrong? Hello. Okay. What uh yeah, so she goes to the attorney. So sad there was also this like really interesting moment after this scene where they were kind of, they didn't know they were on camera. And the attorney was like, look, Kenya, you got to get strong. You got to work this all out. And I think he was basically saying like, get out of this relationship with Mark. But it was so fascinating because I don't think they knew they were Mike. So it was sort of, I don't know, breaking the fourth wall a little bit. But Kenya tells the attorney that she's a great communicator. And then the brilliant, beautiful Bravo editors, they flash back to a montage of Kenya being an awful communicator, just an awful one, and <laughs> so good. Those editors are so good. Literally, they just had that montage at ready, at ready for us. 
So Kenya says that she wanted to get custody uh, issues settled before divorce. But again, I think in real life, Kenya was just on the Wendy Williams show. And she was saying, I think, like, she was sort of alluding to the fact that her and Mark are still together. And I don't like that. I don't like that. So then we have a scene with Portia in Kentucky. Uh, she's with protesters to stand up for Breonna Taylor. And she talks about marching with her dad. Or, or with her, I'm sorry, I think it was her grandpa at six years old. And she got rocks thrown at her by the KKK. It's beautiful, this lush history that Portia's family has with protesting. And it's really wonderful to see on the show. I will say the one thing that was sort of, eh, one of the things that was sort of bothering me about this episode, it wasn't related to the protests or the Black Lives Matter movement, but I wish we had more group scenes. You know, I would hope going forward, and I think we might have talked about this on the show, I think season premiere episodes need to have a group scene. Just at the end, get us all together as a group. And I was a little bit, a little bit upset about that. But I, you know, they all have great stuff going on. Even we cut to Candy, she's with Riley. Riley, who I don't believe ever wants to be on camera, but yet she is every single season. She is. They throw her in front of that red light, um, possibly against her will. Um, but she um, is there. They're washing the car. They're washing Riley's car. And Riley's basically like, Todd, you know, you missed a spot. Like, she's being kind of an asshole about the car. And Candy's like, look, uh, you need to um, be responsible. Like, she's going to New York. Meanwhile, Ace and Blaze are there. And they're a little bit too cute for me to look at. I have trouble when Ace and Blaze are on screen because they're adorable little kids. They are just, oh, my God, when they were washing the car. And I'm like, what's that term? My ovaries were bursting or something? Isn't that a term? When you want to have a baby? My ovaries were exploding, you guys. I think that's a term. Maybe it's not. <laughs> anyway, they're talking about Riley. She's going to NYU to be attorney. Good for her. And they talk about Block, Riley's dad, and how he stopped paying child support 10 years ago. And Kylie, or Candy actually is filing for him to have to pay that back child support, which apparently he owes her like 100k. Uh, Riley wanted a relationship with Block. We even saw it happen a few seasons ago. She tried to have a relationship with him, but he didn't make a big enough effort. I don't like this Block. It was devastating for me. I was crying. I was crying, and then there was like a moment where Riley started to cry, and I noticed she doesn't have the same cry as Candy. You know, Candy has a very, very specific cry, and it always breaks my heart when uh, Candy was crying. I mean, and Candy, I think it was in her confession or something, she's like, she was young and he wouldn't show. I can't do a candy cry. I feel like me, <laughs> my candy crying impression is like Patricia from Southern Charm. <laughs> Are you guys watching Southern Charm? What a mess. What a mess that is. What's that? They brought on some guy named Pringle. And let me tell you, the man on the Pringle container is more interesting than this man they brought on Southern Charm named Pringle. Because it is like, what did they bring him on for? And they got rid of all the women and they brought this man this old white man named Pringle. No one wants that. What is happening over there? And then, I'm sorry to divert for a second, but on Southern Charm, they uh, had sold the season on this scene where they were ripping down this racist statue or something. And then we see a scene where, uh, what's her name, Leva? Uh, she had met with Danny and a, a couple of these other friends who were people of color, and they were after the statue thing, they all met and they talked about Catherine and racism. They had this really wonderfully interesting conversation. And they sold that scene in the previews. That's what they had talked about in the previews of like, look at what's to come on this season. But you guys, did anyone else have a problem with the fact that 
the scene that they sold the season on with these people of color who were in the scene, they weren't even paying them. They were just like guest stars on the show. They're not cast members. I doubt they even got paid. Like Leva, Leva, I hope I'm saying her name right. She, I'm sort of half watching this season, but she is a paid cast member. But the other women in the scene, it was like they were just friends of. So I, I don't even think they were considered friends of. So I don't think they got paid. And it was like they sold the season on that. But then meanwhile, they hired the, the older straight white man to come on. I mean, it's just such a mess to me. It's such a mess. I don't. And you guys, Southern Charm, Papadou, it has been good in the past, but I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's making all these decisions. At least, uh, Jackson, Brittany are gone. Um, okay, so speaking of uh, Brittany, we were cut to back uh, in Kentucky with Portia protesting with her mask on. Great. Then we see Kenya building a pool, and uh, she sits and she talks, I think she was talking to Cynthia at this point, about uh, how hard it is to clean during quarantine, and I get it. It is, isn't it? Sitting home all the time. I feel like I'm, we're home now more than ever. The house gets dirty so quickly. Are you guys finding that? I'm like so tired of doing laundry. I don't even know how I have so much laundry. I'm not even leaving the house and I've got so much laundry. Like, how the fuck does that happen? I feel like I'm constantly doing laundry, wiping the counters, wiping, cleaning, making food, putting food away. Oh, I'm so sick of this stupid little apartment I live in, you guys. Oh, stupid little apartment. Okay, so then we cut to Mike and Cynthia. Mike got a copy of his final book. And, oh, this Mike, this was a sweet little moment. Mike, who's marrying Cynthia, said uh, Cynthia's ass got bigger in quarantine, but he loves it. And honestly, that was a beautiful moment. I wish my boyfriend liked that my ass is getting bigger in quarantine. Uh, but then, oh, then right as I'm feeling really good about these two, and I'm feeling like, oh, that was sweet. Then they talk about the noises that Cynthia makes when they have sex, and it's, it sounds like a dolphin. Or a seal or something, like they were doing it. And Mike's like, oh, I know that sound you make. I know that noise you make. He's like, should we talk about that? And Cynthia's just like, oh, stop, Mike, stop. Don't tell, don't talk about that. You know, she's doing that playful thing that's like, talk about it, but I'm going to have to say, don't talk about it. You know what I mean? So don't say, don't say that. He's like, yeah, you know the sound you make. (laughs) Fuck is that sound she makes? SOS on that. And Cynthia then, I'm thinking Cynthia's going to say like, no, that's not the sound I make. And then she's like, oh, you are spot on, Mike. She's like, you are spot on. That's the exact sound I make. (laughs) What is going on? Those two need a hashtag stop it, because that's not a sound. Um, That even if you do make drink sex that you should be talking about on camera, maybe have some discretion, Cynthia and Mike. You need a hashtag chill on giving us the details. Hashtag chill. You know, I mentioned Wendy Williams, and Wendy really shaded Cynthia. She basically said, like, how has Cynthia lasted on the show so long? And I like Cynthia. Um, but again, I'm, I may be turning her on, on her a little bit, especially with this wedding thing. She wants to stick to that 10, 10, 20 date. And we know that she did. And she finds out the law. We literally see her in the scene. She finds out the law is no more, um, than 50 people at a gathering. And she has 250 people invited. And she said the last wedding was, uh, I just can't really care about the wedding. You guys, I can't. And she says things will open up if that's the perfect date. And I'm thinking that's not how the pandemic works. Like the pandemic, COVID-19 isn't like just going up until Cynthia's wedding day. And then it's going to be like, nope, we're done now. Let's pack it up. You know, if COVID-19 were a person, like at 10-9-2020, COVID-19 is just going to be like, well, 
guess we've finished the pandemic. Cynthia's got to get married. <laughs> Stupid. Sorry, I, I don't even know if that was the sound. I feel like it was more dolphin than seal. I'm doing seal. You know, not the singer. Kiss from a rose. Um, but that's a different noise. Anyway, uh, let's see. Then we, more Portia being, um, uh, we see Portia being arrested. Portia's story was totally separate than everyone. I wish we got Portia in a scene with the other lady, but she's doing more important work. She's out there doing more important work, so I can't get mad at Portia for not being in a group scene. Here she's getting arrested. Uh, then we cut to Candy. She's in the new restaurant with Don Juan. I would not have any desire to open up a restaurant. It seems hard. Doesn't it seem hard? And I don't really think that... Even Do you make a ton of money from a restaurant? You have to be there all the time? I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to say I'm lazy by any means. I'm the last thing from lazy. It just seems a restaurant for the amount of work you put into it and what you get out of it. I feel like more people want a restaurant, and then when they when they get it, it's like, what's the appeal of this? I don't know. I've never been one for wanting a restaurant. You know, some people have that dream of like, I want to have my own restaurant. That seems like a nightmare to me. A nightmare. I'd rather literally own anything else. A trampoline park, a, a I don't know, pool. A, <laughs> I don't know. I can't think of any other things. But I'd rather own literally anything else than a restaurant. It seems hard, but you know what? Candy has done it before, and she'll do it again. She was successful with OLG, and she's opening this one. It's like going to be a steakhouse. And uh, Cynthia uh, calls, and they talk about Portia's uh, new mugshot, which is flawless. But her other mugshot, that other mugshot that Portia has, is truly like one of the most stunning mugshots I've ever seen. You guys know the one I'm talking about. If not, go look at Portia's mugshots. The one she had before this one is stunning. Um, so then we cut to uh, Portia 13 hours after she's arrested. She's released. She said it changed her life. She said we shared our souls in there in the jail cell together regarding other people who were protesting and, and put in jail. She said we shared our souls with each other and uh, we had just met um, after a soul had been lost. She said we shared our souls and connected uh, after an event of a soul being lost. And I don't know the way she said it. I'm not saying it properly. You know, I just butchered it. But she, it was so beautiful to me, I cried again. She, and Portia said she would do it again. And that was the end of the episode, you guys. It was, it was a good premiere, but it wasn't like, you know, I need a group event. But all the stuff that's going on, I think, is really intense. And I think it's going to be a great season. I'm excited. And again, I just say, uh, you know, Atlanta Housewives, always funny. Always a good time. Even when you know, there's not like big group drama or anything. They're always so funny, just the one-liners alone. So this season we have uh, Portia, when we see the scenes for this season, like the trailer at the end of the episode, we hear Portia in the voiceover saying, keep your mask and wig on tight, boo. And I just love that. <laughs> we opened this episode too. I don't know if I mentioned, but that we opened just seeing them go to their confessionals. That was really intense and it was it was interesting. I like the way that they started it. Um, we also get to new, uh, know a new housewife, Drew, from Chicago. It's Cynthia's friend. We have Cynthia's wedding. Kenya's a sexually attracted to Drew, maybe? I don't know. We get some sort of stuff about the dungeon party. And then Tanya, um, she is the one, apparently, that's uh, alleged to have hooked up with the stripper. And the end of the trailer, we hear Candy saying, what happens in the dungeon stays in the dungeon. Guys, ooh, I'm excited for that stuff to happen with that stripper with the mask on. You know I love a male stripper. Nothing better. Nothing better. Except for a male stripper with the Santa hat on. Anyway, uh, you guys, we got to talk about uh, Potomac finale. Super sized. 
Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. uh, So that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Turn it up. That's real low. A little louder. Uh. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Hey, that's as I was a ghost. Can I get another crow? What heals a heart or where to start to describe how much I love you? Is this happening? Like, this is not happening, but it is happening. Now she's just singing a cappella. You guys, this Real House of Potomac finale, it's an all timer episode, in my opinion. I think it was fantastic. There was so much going on. It was extra long, which I always like when they get an extra long episode. Remember NBC used to do that with like friends? They'd call it supersized episodes. I love that. Give us more of that, Bravo. You know, I'm happy with more of a supersized episode than having too many episodes. So for instance, like I'd love for the reunions, instead of having a three or four part reunion, I'd like to have a two part where both episodes are supersized. You know, it's like somewhere in the middle and then we don't get tired of it because sometimes like a three part reunion where by the end of it, we're like, okay, enough. And people stop watching. I know people, by the third episode of Reunion, people are like, okay, I've had enough of these women. Um, So give us two supersized episodes. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, we open with Giselle decorating the tree. It's weird watching that we're living in Christmas times, and we're watching them at Christmas times, but they're at Christmas times a year earlier, 
So it's real mindfuck because I'm thinking, well, in our Christmas time in present day, you know, we can't do as much as they're doing in their Christmas time, which was a year ago. And normally these things film, you know, we see Christmas, we're watching in the summertime. Do you know what I'm saying? But because Potomac was pushed back, we're seeing it in actual time. It's a real mindfuck. I feel like I'm watching Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind or something. Like I'm trying to get my bearings. Like, what is this show? What time are we in? You know, I'm thinking like, what time is it now? What I look at my calendar, I say, what day is it? I need to know. <laughs> Where are we? I'm like on an episode of Lost. Um, then let's see, Robin. She is having a winter wonderland party. She says she does it every year. She's not inviting Monique. And Juan is supposed to propose there. Juan is gonna propose or boyfriend Juan. Oh, did you see they did a flashback picture of like Robin and Juan when they were in 20 years old or something in high school or college or something. And Juan looked so good, you guys. I mean, he always looks so good. But when I saw that photo, you guys, I was like fanning myself. I'm fanning myself right now. Fanning myself. Um, Okay, so then we cut to Monique with the therapist. It's the same therapist that Ashley goes to with that monster Michael. What an asshole that Michael is. Ooh, I hate him. You guys, I hate him. We're going to talk about him in a minute. God, he's the worst. Just the worst. Absolute worst. Can he get any worse? No, he can't. He's the worst. Um, let's see. So Monique is with the therapist. And Monique tells a story about feeling outside as a kid. And and the therapist wants her to write a letter to Candace. Monique says, I think this was in her confessional, in regards to the situation with Candace, she says, I'm remorseful for actions, but not sorry for defending myself uh, when I felt like I needed to. Mm, that was interesting. You guys, throughout the season, I'm feeling myself go more towards Team Monique with this situation. I don't condone the violence, but even, I don't know. I don't know. I'm finding myself teaming uh, more on Monique's side. It's layered, of course, but uh, yeah, as the season's gone on. Meanwhile, we cut to Ashley and Michael preparing for Dean's monthly photo shoot. And Michael, in front of the baby, has to make some joke about having a big dick. No one needs to hear that. No one. Uh, Especially on Sunday, the Lord's Day. When this show airs, nobody needs to hear that kind of thing on the Lord's Day, Michael. So I would just encourage you to stop. Okay, I'm going to say a prayer for you to stop. Father God in heaven, please make Michael stop talking about his dick on the Lord's Day. That's my Christmas wish. Making a joke about the big dick. No one wants to hear that. Ugh, so gross. Even, did you see Baby Dean? Baby Dean's like laying down for the photo shoot and he did a gym from the office. He looked right at camera. He looked at camera and was like, get me the fuck out of this household. You know? He's like looking right at the camera. <laughs> then Michael says that Candace likes to be the victim. And Ashley tells him, look, Juan's planning to propose at this party. And Michael, he starts to unravel. He literally, throughout the episode, we see Michael unravel. And it all is based on Juan proposing. Like, it's so crazy. And I know they allude to the fact that, like, Michael is gay or bisexual or has these tendencies. And you really see him mentally unraveling when he finds out Juan's proposing. He's like, he tells Ashley, absolutely not. Uh, I can't do his accent. What's the Australian accent? Water bottle? I, that's the only term I could say in my Australian accent. Get me the water bottle? <laughs> but one day I was like looking up Australian accents and I was practicing in bed. I was like, I'm going to get an Australian accent. And they teach you there. One of the things to say is like, get me a water bottle? I think that was something you're supposed to say. Maybe I'm making that up. I don't know. I can't remember anything these days. My COVID brain is uh, a mess. So let's see. Um, He loses it. And he says, I I know that Juan won't propose. It's something I know he won't. And then he goes, I've said too much already. 
And Ashley's like, um, you need to say more because you can't just bring it up and then end it like that. And he's like, no, I've said too much. And I think this conversation was probably planned. I do. I think Ashley kind of wanted to have this conversation. Who knows? Either way, it was interesting. Then we cut to Karen and Ray. Karen's getting ready to go to HSN. Good for her. Uh, Karen then reveals they were all mad at Karen for trying to get Candace and Monique at her event last week together at the same time. But Karen says she told them different times and they show her screenshots. And you guys, I am on Karen's side with this. She did tell them different times and maybe she did want them to bump into each other, but at least she's producing good content for our television program. So either way, even if she was trying to get them there at the same time, you know, I sort of support it. Then we see footage of Karen on HSN and she's talking about her Ladam fragrance. And I don't know how this smells. I can imagine what it smells like. And I'm not going to share with you what I imagine it smells like. Uh, but, you know, if you've ever been to the Sir Dump, um, that's all I'll say. So let's see. Karen, she says, you know, in terms of squirting the fragrance, she says, squirt here and there and squirt behind the kneecap. And I thought, what? Behind the kneecap? And I really processed this information in a very slow motion. It took me a while to understand what she was saying. She was saying behind the kneecap. And I'm thinking, what do you need to do behind the kneecap for? And then it all clicked. And I'm thinking, this is happening on HSN. You're talking about spraying perfume behind the kneecap for your man. She says she's been married all this time. She's like, I know what. You better listen to me. Spray it behind the kneecap. And I thought it was crazy and disgusting. And then I was like thinking, okay, I'm going to start doing that. Not with perfume. You know, whatever I wear. I don't normally wear a fragrance. But I might, I might start sometimes, you know, spray a little something behind the kneecap. See what happens. See how Matt, I feel like my boyfriend wouldn't like it. You know, he's sensitive to smells. <laughs> I don't know if he'd love it if, like, I don't know, you smelled like Nautica behind my kneecap. Do people still wear Nautica? Unclear. Okay, um, then we cut to Juan and Robin at a therapist. This is when we see those pictures of them. Robin says Juan wasn't involved when they were kids and they were infants. I'm glad they're seeing a couple's therapist. But does it worry? Yeah, well, I won't. I'll shut up. I was going to say, does it worry me a little bit that they're seeing a therapist like literally days before they're going to get uh, engaged again? Maybe a little, but also it's good. It's good maintenance. They've been together for a while. So maybe it's, I think it's a good thing. Ultimately, I think it's a good thing. So then we see everyone going to this party. Candace is in the car warming up because she's going to sing there. And she's still mad at Candace, or she's still mad at Karen. Karen says she's not sure if she's going to arrive on time because she's, or there was something that happened on her flight. It was, landed, I don't know, it, it couldn't get there in time or something. But Candace is still mad at Karen. Meanwhile, Jamal is not at the party. He's not going to make it. And I'm, like, uncomfortable, you guys, with Giselle and Jamal stuff. Like, it really makes me cringe and uncomfortable. Every confessional when Candace, or when uh, Giselle's like, he's not coming. He's not going to be there. He didn't show up. He missed it. I mean, this Jamal is such an asshole, you guys. He's such an asshole. And I'm feeling bad for the kids, Giselle's kids. I feel bad for Giselle that she's always going to make these excuses for this man. It's all very cringy and embarrassing. Meanwhile, we get to the party. Um, oh, I mentioned that text that Karen sent everyone saying that the plan, uh, the plane that she was on hadn't landed. And in the text that they showed, she wrote, the plane hasn't landed. Like it was A-L-A-N-D-E-D. Uh, the plane hasn't landed. And I was just thinking of Karen talking like Mario, you know, from like Mario and Luigi. <laughs> the plane hasn't landed. I don't know why. It was making me laugh. Just picturing Karen as like with a Super Mario cap on, like chasing a star, you know, or chasing, <laughs> knocking the coin, ma- coin machines. 
I'm jumping on Yoshi. You know, that's the game I want to play. I need a Mario Kart that's just the women of the Real Houses of Potomac, you know, just in their carts chasing after each other. I don't know, they could throw stuff at each other, you know, on Mario Kart when you get the, the block and then they have all these like banana peels and turtle shells and stuff like that. I mean, we could have it where like when you hit the block, like Monique can grab someone's hair or something like that. I don't know. I'm spitballing here, but we do need a Mario Kart that is just the Real Houses of Potomac. We do need that. Uh, okay, then let's see. Michael says he's not drinking liquor at the party. Michael, he's completely unraveling. He says he's only having beer there, although we see him later have the liquor. But he says in regards when he first gets to the party, he's not having liquor because the last time he did, he said he would suck Juan's dick. And he do- doesn't want to do that tonight because he doesn't want to ruin Juan's proposal. And that's crazy. <laughs> that's an issue. You know, if I was Ashley and I was your wife, I'd say this is an issue that you can't drink hard liquor. Because you're afraid you're going to uh, say you're going to suck the guy's dick who's proposing to his girlfriend. That's an issue. I'm sorry. You know, I'm no marriage counselor. I'm not the woman they're all going to on this show for counseling or therapy. But I would say some uh, friendly advice from a podcaster that, dear Ashley, you need to get away from this man. Because that's an issue. You can't drink hard liquor because they'll tell everyone he wants to suck their dicks. It's an issue. It is an issue. It was just, I don't know, red flag it. Can we flag it? Can we flag it? We need to flag it. Okay, then, Wendy and Eddie arrive in all white, and they're so hot, you guys. Wendy and Eddie, I love them. I love them. Oh, and meanwhile, they arrive, and Juan introduces Michael to Eddie, and I was, like, worried about Eddie, because I just don't think anyone should be introduced to Michael. Male, female, doesn't matter who you are. No one should be introduced to that man, because he's creepy as fuck, and he's an asshole. And he's violent, and he's just uh, aggressive. He's just the worst. He's just the worst. Um, and he said, to, he was like flirting with Juan. He's like, Juan always dresses so well. And the way he said it, you know, I felt a vibe. I felt a vibe. But he wasn't wrong. I mean, who among us? I look at Juan and I, you know, I get a little flushed too. So, you know, even Michael might not be gay. I mean, or bisexual. He just thinks Juan's a good looking man. And that's a fact. That is a fact. But they keep showing him sort of hitting on men. And that leads me to believe that the producers and the editors of this show, they know something more than we know. They know something more than us because they keep showing us these little moments of him saying, Juan, you dress so well. You know, the, they're telling us something. They're trying to allude to something. Um, what is, I wrote in my notes, what is Giselle wearing? I write that every week though. But this week she was writing, she was wearing like a tube neck necklace. She had like sort of puffy arms. I don't know, you guys. What the fuck? <laughs> Ashley and Giselle then pull Michael aside. Ashley tells Giselle, like, Michael sort of alluded to something with Juan and Robin and that they wouldn't get engaged. And so Giselle, of course, is like, let's talk that out. And look, Michael's jealous because he wants Juan to propose to him. I believe that's what he's jealous about. Um, But Michael, he's like, I'm not saying anymore. I'm not going to talk about this anymore. I don't want to ruin anything, blah, blah, blah. And as he walks away from his wife, Ashley, Ashley says under her breath, but on Mike, if I grow a dick, will you tell me? Now look there, again, applying it, implying something. Uh, Charisse shows up just before Candace is about to perform. In the performance, it was so funny, there was no backing track at first, so she was just doing acapella. She's like, oh, hell. <laughs> those kind of runs, like, she's ad-libbing, just like, hell. Like, just everyone's watching her, and it was just so funny to me. And then she started to get into the song, and she said, I don't know what heals a heart. And she's got a good voice. 
those ad libs though, like no one would do good doing those ad libs because there was no backing track and the microphone was like making that sound. It was like, you know, I felt it in my feeling when they played it on camera. It was like there, no one could win in that moment. And Candace is a good voice, I think. But the song finally came on, and at least she could sing a cappella if needed to. And she wasn't embarrassed, and she she gave it her all. I was proud of Candace in that moment. I was because that's not easy. And the song sounds good. Sorry about it. It's no coffee and love. You know, it's not as good as Ashley's song. I'll be honest. Ashley's song's a hit in my household. It's a hit in my mind. It's number one album in my head. Ashley's song, Coffee and Love. That song's crazy, and I love it. Um, Ashley doesn't like Candace's performance, though. In regards to Candace's song, Ashley says, look, you could put yodeling on a go-go beat, and it'd be good. And that was a good line, you guys. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. So then, Robin thanks everyone for coming. Juan then grabs the mic from Robin. And I was nervous, you guys. He says, Robin has been my rock, my mountain. I didn't really understand what he meant by mountain. I sort of thought that was a diff. Um, but Wendy's excitement when he finally did propose, when Juan proposed to Robin, Wendy, I've never seen someone so excited. She runs up to Robin. She was screeching. I was laughing so hard. I was also crying because it was a beautiful moment. But Wendy, I've never seen her so excited. She's like, ah! <laughs> she was so excited. Ah! She ran up to Robin. And I think somebody, Giselle or somebody's like, Wendy, you need to back the fuck up because Wendy was just like going nuts. I've never seen someone so excited, and I loved it. I need more of that Wendy, because it was just so funny. Um, then we have another awkward moment with Juan and Michael at the bar. Michael sa- Michael starts drinking at this point. This is when he gets the liquor. Ugh, Michael. He's the worst. Uh, he says to Juan, here's to a great bachelor party in Vegas. Just you and I. No cameras or nothing. He also made a sound, too. Speaking of a screeching sound, there was a moment there where he's like, Ow! There was just some weird sound that came out of Michael. I was like, what the fuck was that? sounded like Cynthia Bailey having sex. Um, But it was weird. He's saying, just you and I, no cameras, nothing. I don't know. It's strange to me. It's strange to me. Then Karen finally shows up. She she gets the villain noise, the villain soundtrack, as she shows up late to this party. It was like the Jaws music came on, and Karen's arriving to the party. And Karen says in her confessional, she says, it's important to me to come. This is Robin's moment, and she doesn't get a lot of them. She says she doesn't get a lot of them. And then Giselle said Karen's the worst. <sighs> you guys, Giselle and Karen will never really get along. They are frenemies till the end. Um, frenemies till the end. And I love it that way. I love it that way. Now, the producers know, I'm watching this footage, and the producers know to keep a camera on Michael at all times. They know it. So even when we're with the women, there's still some rogue cameraman that's on Michael from a distance. And I just want to salute the Bravo people because that's smart and they know what they need they know what they need so karen talks to the other women and she says in regards to her wig shift party she says she had to leave early that night and she had to go get dinner she said she had four kfc thighs coleslaw and a biscuit because she had to leave the wig party and missed her dinner or something like that and i just was very fascinated by karen huger's kfc order four kfc thighs coleslaw and a biscuit that's a lot of food for this tiny woman it is. And you know what? I get it, though. KFC, it made me want KFC. Oh, I love some fried chicken. Um, But they all tell Karen, they were like, look, this is suspect that you left your party. You left a sign dry. Uh, you also said you were going to dinner, but now you're telling us you got KFC. You know, they were really doing some good detective work. Um, And I was into it. And then, oh, we see another scene of Michael flirting with Eddie. And then he says to Eddie, I'm not gay. And Eddie's like, okay, like, 
You know, Eddie doesn't know how to react to this man, and I wouldn't either. Eddie just needs to run away from this man. And not because of the gay thing, just because he's creepy and he's uh, weird. He's weird. Um, and then Candace and Karen are fighting. Candace says to Karen, you saw, uh, you saw a bitch get mad and you know what happened and you're drinking her Kool-Aid. And of course, all I could picture to this scene was like the Kool-Aid man entering through the wall. You know, on that commercial when the Kool-Aid man, <laughs> I don't know why I was just picturing like the Kool-Aid man or Monique just barging through the wall like the Kool-Aid man and just being like, I'm here, you know. Um, that's, let's see, Michael goes to Chris and he says something because the women are sort of fighting loudly and Michael goes up to Chris and says, you need to control your wife. And Chris snaps and he sort of does this weird push. I don't know that, I don't know that it's considered like that physical because I don't know the way Chris did it seemed he pushed him. Yeah, he shouldn't have pushed him, but I don't know. I didn't really think that Chris did something. And Michael's like, you made a mistake. I'm calling my lawyers, blah, blah, blah. And then. Ashley comes over and is like, what the fuck is going on? And she yells at Candace, like, you need to control your man or you guys have no self-control. And Michael's like, "I'm, you're going to jail. I'm calling my lawyer. Juan's then holding Michael back. Security escorts Chris out. I mean, a lot of unhinged people and actions and behavior going on this episode. And meanwhile, Karen just, Karen says, oh, Father God. And I got to say, that's Karen as she's leaving this place. She says, oh, Father God. And that's how she started this season was yelling, Father God. And so it was an interesting little, I mean, you can't even write that. You can't even write that. She started the season, very first episode, we heard Karen in her confessional say, Father God in heaven. And now she's ending the season saying, "Ugh, Father God. So that's the end of the episode, but now we get the titles. You know, at the end of the season, we get these titles. So I'm thinking we're wrapping this up because we start to get the titles. And I'm going to go through the titles, and then something else happened. But the titles, so Karen, her, uh, her title card for the end of the season says Karen and Ray are still working on their marriage. Karen isn't willing to work less or say the three words Ray longs to hear move to Florida. <laughs> so, you know, they're so mean these title cards. It's like they're leading us to believe that Ray wants to hear. I love you. But then Ray really just wants to hear. Let's move to Florida. And I loved it. <laughs> then Candace, her title card says Candace is determined to move forward with her life. She and Chris plan to start baby making in the fall. She wants to avoid having an Aquarius baby because they're crazy. And then in parentheses, it says, her mother is an Aquarius. <laughs> ah, the funniest thing I've ever read. Funnier than any David Sedaris book, I'll tell you that. Nothing is better than these title cards. Nothing. Uh, meanwhile, everyone else is partying because Candace and Karen left. But Robin's having a good time at her party. She's dancing. We see her. Her title card says, Robin and Juan plan to build a new home in the DMV area and to eventually have an island destination wedding. Juan hasn't mentioned if Michael Darby will be invited to the bachelor party. Now, interesting, they're setting up Robin for another season. I think all of these women will be back. I don't think there'll be any changes, truly. I think Monique will be back and Candace will be back. I think the same cast, I bet they'll add like a friend of, um, but I don't think the cast will change. I don't. Uh, Wendy then says, uh, her title card says, Wendy continues to expand her political commentary career, speaking up for justice on cable news. Her mother is very proud of her, but still wants her daughter to remain a professor. Now, there was one line after that that I couldn't read because, uh, you know, on the screeners of the episodes, they put like a watermark, and so it was covering it. So I don't know what the last line of Wendy's title card said. So I don't know. It is what it is. Maybe it was something funny. Unclear. Um, so then Giselle's title card says, Giselle and Jamal's daughters are finally more accepting of their relationship. The couple does not plan on moving in together anytime soon. Jamal still lives in the phone. Again, just very embarrassing. More embarrassment. 
for Giselle. I'm st- I don't know, I'm maybe starting to turn and feel just embarrassed for Giselle. You know, I wasn't liking her this season, but now I'm feeling like bad for her. I am. So then we cut to, I, I think the episode's off, then we cut to a producer taking Michael's mic off. And then we hear Michael, this footage is kind of blurry, and we're, we're, I'm, I'm just getting my bearings, you know, I'm getting my, my equilibrium's off, because I'm thinking the episode's over, and then suddenly I see Michael getting his mic off, and he's yelling at the producers. He says, uh, why do you have them on this show? These people are fucking lowlifes, he says. And the producer yells at him, you cannot be in here, because he's in the production room. You know, this is a separate room for all production people. And Michael says, of course I can. Do you own this? Don't touch me. And he's wasted. He's wasted. And then Ashley goes in to yell, and he, she's like, stop, stop. He swats her away. And then a security guard has to escort Michael off. And Michael sort of like hits him, or not hits, but like, I don't know. There's like a weird physical thing with him and the security guard. And Ashley's yelling at him, you're embarrassing the fuck out of me. Stop, stop, stop. And then Ashley, and then he tells her to F off. She needs to leave this man. She needs to leave this monster of a man. Get out of there, Ashley. And then Ashley's title card comes up, and it says, The following day, Ashley and Michael went on a family vacation to the Bahamas. The couple is now pregnant with baby number two, and they say their relationship is stronger than ever. Ugh. You guys. The next day they went to the Bahamas? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No amount of island uh, mojitos can fix that relationship. Ashley, you need to get out. Get out. Hashtag get out, Ashley. I mean, come on. I'm sorry. I Stronger than ever, my ass. No way. The next day they went on vacation together? I'll tell you what, I would have went on vacation the next day, but not with him. I would have gone somewhere without him. She needs to get out of that relationship. He's the worst. The worst, and now she's pregnant again. I hope she gets that baby and runs. Anyway, uh, let's see. Oh, uh, the following day. Okay, so then we cut to Monique, an interview with her. She says the court decided it was a mutual fight and dropped both complaints. So the court decided neither one of them was at fault here and throughout the cases. And Monique's laughing in her confessional. She says, you asked to get dragged and you got dragged. And the still of her, so the season ends with a still of her laughing and cackling. And then her title card is, Monique has still not spoken to Candace, but she did write a song inspired by their incident called Drag Queens. She also published a potty training book. No word on if a pet edition is in the works. (laughs) Now this uh, little paragraph here, would seem crazy. Imagine just showing someone a still of that paragraph uh, and not telling them what it's from 20 years ago or something. You know, going back in time to 1980. Let's go back in time to 1980 and show someone uh, just a still from the entertainment of 2020 and see what people say. They'd be like, what the fuck does that paragraph mean? It's crazy. She published a potty training book. No uh, word if a pet edition is in the works. It's crazy. Truly unhinged. Then uh, we end the season with a Candace confessional. Candace says the courts felt they didn't need to pursue the case because they thought it was just reality TV fodder. She said, I might as well have been kikiing with the devil because this is not healthy, she says in regards to her friendship with Monique that she thought was getting better. That's the end of the season, and we get the reunion trailer, which looks amazing. I gotta say, the yellow dresses look better on camera than they did in the photos I've seen. Uh, They look good on the set, I think. And T'Challa's there, which I'm excited about. Um, there's a really funny moment where Karen says to uh, Giselle, I'm obsessed with your clothing. Your taste sucks, but it's been therapeutic to see during quarantine. <laughs> Meanwhile, Monique has a receipt book. Uh, she says Giselle's man's been slinging D. And the men are there. You guys, I'm excited for the union. I am. I've loved this season of Potomac. I'm sad to say goodbye. 
It's so hard to say goodbye in the words of Boys to Men. Uh, okay, you guys, that's the episode. Again, I want to encourage you to check out everythingiconic.store for all that holiday merch. Check out the interview with Candy if you haven't already. I think it's great. And also, uh, on the last episode of this podcast, I did a little Coles detour that um, you might want to check out at the beginning of the episode. Finally, um, one more thing to promote the Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash everything iconic. And if you click become a patron, you could donate $4 more per month and you get access to the bonus episodes. I'm doing one a month. So I'm recapping Sex and the City from the beginning over there. So check that out. And thank you to everyone who's over there for supporting this podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, you can find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we have some fun stuff coming up later this week. I can't wait. So uh, I love you all. Let's do a little cool down and uh, have our cheesy little breathing exercise moment. Let's take a deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. Let's take another deep breath in. Hold it. Breathe out. I want to encourage everyone, if you haven't checked out 12 Dates of Christmas. It's a new TV show on HBO Max, sort of Bachelor-esque. I love it. It's insane. It's very Bachelor-esque, um, but it's all about Christmas. So I don't know how else to explain it because it's truly unhinged, but check it out. 12 Dates of Christmas. If you're looking for something mindless and uh, Bachelor-esque to binge this holiday season. And there's LGBTQ people and uh, lots of people of color. So check it out. Uh, I love you all so much for listening, and we'll talk later this week. Bye-bye. love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.